He'll say, oh, my soul. This is holy. Am I going in and out? I know, because I'm cool like that. You're welcome. That may have been me again. We good? Hi, I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here at Kairos. Bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. We just needed a warm up. Um, hey, if you're new to Kairos uh, or new to Nashville, I just want to say hi, welcome. You picked a great night to be here, and I think there's a lot of opportunities for you to be able to connect to God and connect to each other. And I can say that with all the authority of a four-year transplant to Nashville. So we love it here. This is a great place that we love to call home. But just out of curiosity, can I take an unofficial survey? How many of you are Nashville natives or from the surrounding area? I didn't even have to ask you to raise your hands because you're so proud and arrogant about it, it's not even funny. <laughs> Keep them up, all right? Everybody, they want you to see that. Okay, all right, good. Now, any brothers and sisters like me who you moved here from a different state or didn't grow up here, will you raise your hands? All right, see? We're outnumbering you and we're gonna take it over soon. I know that causes you much consternation, but hey, it's a destination city. Um, we, I've lived in like eight different states, uh, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Florida, California, Alabama, South Carolina, and now Tennessee. And I would say out of all those states that my wife and I have lived in, this is fast becoming one of our favorite places. And I think one of the reasons is you guys got like a legit all four seasons. It's wonderful. Um, now, there, it could be a little bit longer in some of them, but you distinctively have all four seasons. Now, I grew up up north, and when I was leaving Pennsylvania, uh, it was time for me. I was graduating college. I was looking around for some college options with a strong high C average. Um, and I just have to be honest with you. The single most significant factor of where I decided to attend for four to five years and go into debt was simply this. No more winters. Uh, winters suck. I was so sick and tired of being in cold, dark, snow, wet, ice, dirty slush in your boots. I want to get out. So that's how I wound up in school in South Florida, okay? Now... Some of you, you have romantic idealized what the, like winter is actually about. Nashville, I love you. You don't have a real winter, okay? <laughs> real winter is like when you don't see the ground for three months. And you, you may think, oh, it's so cute and fun to Instagram about making perfect snowman. Never happens, by the way. You're going to meet someone at your little hot chocolate shop. <laughs> And you're going to have a moment where you connect, and then it's going to end in snow angels and a proposal, okay? <laughs> Spoiler alert, life's not a Hallmark movie. <laughs> and no one ever tells you when you make snow angels, snow packs into your lower back, and it is not comfortable at all. And once it begins to melt, it gets even more uncomfortable. So that's one of the reasons why I was done with winters. I'm tired of walking to the bus stop and my hair freezing on top of my head, okay? That may have had a lot to do with the LA looks gel I had in my hair, but let's not bring out fashion mistakes right now. So I got to South Florida and I was pumped because they have only three seasons, hot, hotter, and surface of the sun hot. And it was amazing for like two years. I thought I was cool, because 
Hey, it's Christmas on the beach. <laughs> it's February and I'm in shorts. I'm so much better than everyone who graduated from my high school. Um, hurricanes were a little bit of a downer, but hey, you got bigger waves to surf on. So you wrote it out, right? And then something happened about two years into it that was so random and stupid that just popped into my cerebral cortex. I was like, who said that? I'm walking down and I thought, I wish it was colder. How dare I? <laughs> I, I kind of missed like fall, like you get chilly weather and you know, crunching of leaves underneath your boots and when you're stepping on top of a dead palm tree, it doesn't have the same effect. <laughs> I wanna wear flannel and jeans and boots. <laughs> and not have to crank down the AC just to be able to do that without sweating. And so I realized I miss the seasons. I miss the inexpressible joy that comes from one season yielding to another, and then at the end of that season, longing for a new one. Why did I tell you all that? So you know my backstory? Not really. I tell you because Jacoby just read a text out of Ecclesiastes that starts out with this. There is a season for everything. There is a time for every activity under heaven. And so we're doing a series called Seasons of the Soul. And what I just wanna make sure is the problem many of us face in here is we know what time it is. It's about 7.30 on a Tuesday night. But do you know what season your soul is in? Because once you can answer that, you can adjust your expectations, your preparations, and also your activity. A lot of frustration has been in my life. I had false expectations and I was doing wrong activities simply because I didn't understand the season my soul was in. This makes sense literally, right? You guys get this, someone invites you to the lake for the 4th of July, you're not showing up in a goose down jacket and gloves. If you went camping last weekend and you saw temperatures were gonna be below freezing, right? You didn't show up in board shorts and a bro tank and chacos. Maybe some of you did, but we can pray for you later. <laughs> and we all know, God forbid, you don't wear white after Labor Day. Heresy, oh my gosh. We get that when it comes to normal seasons. But why are we so clueless when it comes to the seasons of our soul and how we're to respond? I would get really, really frustrated when I just wanted sun and fun and I was in a winter season of my soul. Also, I have to be careful too sometimes because sometimes I want to stay in winter too long. I want to isolate and I want to hibernate when there is warmth and work for me to do that God is calling me out of a certain season. So that's why we're gonna look at seasons of the soul. We're gonna look at scripture and figure out what season we're actually in. If we want to engage the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ, anywhere, anytime, with anybody, in any season, it'll be helpful for us to know what season our soul is in, and then it'll help us to ask better questions to find out the person who's sitting across from us what season they're in. So this is kind of like an art form, not science, but let me give you a couple descriptors. Maybe that'll help you figure out what season you're in. So we'll put it up on the screens, and I'll read it to you guys, and just maybe ask the Holy Spirit, would you illuminate for me what season my soul is in? Fall is a season that combines two elements, celebration and contemplation. The rhythm is festive, it's breezy, it's appreciative. It's a celebration for work done, the fruit yielded, and the harvest reaped. It 
It's a time to hold up what God has done and thank him. The soul will laugh heartily as it takes a deep breath to let out a contented sigh, both in appreciation of all that has happened and in anticipation of what is to come. The rhythm reaches a crescendo and then it begins to relax and fall into a slower synchronization of beats and measures. It contemplates what needs to be pruned back before winter. And as the leaves dry and die, the soul allows what was once bright and vibrant to fall away and make room for new growth. This is fall. Winter is a time for the ground to lie fallow and dormant. The rhythm slows down to an almost imperceptible crawl, lethargic and often lamenting in nature. This rhythm often lingers in silence and solitude where more is communicated by what is missing than what is present. It's a time for gestation and regeneration below the surface, even though there are no visible signs of growth or fruit. It is the time and place to make sure that which was pruned stays pruned back, and that which has died stays dead. This is winter. Spring is a time for what is happening beneath the surface of winter to begin to bud. The rhythm pulsates with possibility, hope, and imagination. Light, playful, inspirational. It arouses the soul from dormancy and invites it to walk leisurely in the cool of the day. Possibilities and potential are cultivated and cared for in the early stages of growth. This is spring. Summer is a prime season for working, maturing, and getting the fruit ready for harvest. The rhythm is strong, bold, and vivacious. It's a high tempo that spurs the soul into an all-out run while synchronizing the communal efforts of productivity. This is the place and the time for high-output work that is energized by visible fruit. This is summer. What season are you in? What season are you afraid of? What season have you been trapped in that perhaps God is beckoning you into a new time? These are the questions that I want us to ask. Now, I would say most of us in this room, without taking a survey, we're down like Charlie Brown with every single one of those seasons, except like me after being up north for too long, winter, blah and bleak, no thanks, doesn't sound good at all. Uh, C.S. Lewis, in his seminal work, The Chronicles of Narnia, in an effort to describe the bleakness of Narnia underneath the rule of the white witch after the children go through the wardrobe, he says it this way, it was always winter and never Christmas. Which, by the way, my wife has often said, I want it to snow on Christmas Day and December 26th, it needs to be spring. <laughs> Not really how it works, but I'm glad that she pulls me out of winter most of the time. Most of us are ready to embrace like summer and spring rhythms. We're cool with that. When we read the Ecclesiastes text that Jacoby read for us, we're like, mm-hmm, that feels like Jesus. Plant, heal, build, laugh, dance, gather, embrace, search, keep men, speak, love, peace. Oh, I'm down for that. That's why I became a Christian, because that's what you're promised. Most of us don't really like the winter column in this text, do we? Die, uproot, tear down, weep, Mourn, throw away, lost, tear, silence, hate. 
Winter's something else in the seasons of our souls. Now, a word of hermeneutical caution. Gesundheit, I know. What that means is we've gotta be careful when we're interpreting this text. First of all, put it in context. It's wisdom literature. So what it's doing is it's making observations off of life. The author here has a lot of wealth and resources and wisdom, and he's traveled the world. And he's saying, you know what? At the end of the day, life's a vapor. You appear for a short time, and then it's gone. And now I've noticed that in a broken world, there are seasons that everyone must participate in and endure regardless of who you are. So first of all, this is not an ethical admonition that says, oh, well, Jesus is for just war, so let's go kill and hate people. It's not what it's saying. It's saying in a broken world, these seasons exist. And what it is also saying is it is possible if you partner with God's timing for life not to be meaningless. How many of you have walked through a season or in a season right now that seems absolutely futile and meaningless? The biblical author is saying, if you will partner and trust with God's timing, it will not be meaningless. In fact, he's going to go on and basically say this. We can trust that God's promise, he will do something eternally significant even in the midst of your temporary circumstance. Verse 11 says, he makes all things beautiful in their time. Another translation, appropriate in their time. Now, normally, I think beautiful is beautiful, but appropriate is more appropriate here. Uh, I love poetic language. I've quoted that verse. He makes all things beautiful in their time. It's great. A better translation out of the text is appropriate. Why? Because everything that happens to you in every season is not necessarily beautiful. You and I know what it's like when our brokenness boils over, when sin rages and pillages us and the people that we love the most. It's not beautiful. But what God is saying is that he will weave it together in light of eternity and make it appropriate for your growth, your character, your development, and your calling into his kingdom. And there's gonna be times when we cry out with the Apostle Paul, even when we're in the very center of God's will and mission, we are despairing even to the point of death. This is winter, Christians, and it's okay. Let winter do its work. When you follow Jesus, it is not all fun in the sun. There are seasons where it will be winter. And when it is, let winter do its work. We know that God will promise that even in our temporary circumstances, he will work out something eternally significant because we see echoes of that in Romans 8. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Notice what that text did not say. It did not say, in all things that are good, God works. Because you and I have experienced things that are not good. That diagnosis, that divorce, that death in your family, not good. The person who betrayed you, that rupture in your relationship, that attack that came against you, not good. What is God saying? In every season and in all things, if you will partner with me and trust my timing, I will work for the good of those that love me and are called according to my purposes. And oftentimes his purposes are the same as that for Jesus. You will experience significance only through seasons of suffering. 
If his son wasn't excluded from it, how dare you think you are? Because we are called Christ's followers. People who imitate the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How can I say those things with such confidence when I don't know your story? When your pain is bubbling up in you right now and you want to say that's fine for everyone else but me. It's only because that I know Jesus weathered the winter of the grave. And he went into death and hell itself. But spring was sprung on Easter morning when he showed us the first fruits of resurrection and redemption that is possible for every believer in this place. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose, and he will make everything appropriate. And it's time. You got two choices in this text. You can run down that one category that's summer, which by the way, normally disposition, personality, spiritual gifting wise, you're normally a winter or summer person, all right? We can do shades of fall and spring, but for the sake of clarity in the argument, let's just stick with that, okay? I'm a winter person. I'm moody, I'm brooding, I'm isolated, I'm introverted, I wanna huddle up and I want to just, oh, when it's, Death and dying, and it's all just going wrong. I could not be happier. That's why I was born. I, I'm more happier doing a funeral than a wedding most times. As I, I, it's just, I don't know what are the ways of the Lord wired me. I can't stay there, but I enjoy living there. My wife is probably summer. She's productivity. She's excitement. She's let's go. She's to-do list. And there are times when she drags me out of the sarcophagus of my soul and says, you will meet people. <laughs> I submit. There are other times when I go, babe, we, we just need to let the ground lie fallow. I, like, I try to use scripture when I'm manipulating her into doing things that I want to do. It doesn't work in case you're wondering, but... If you're a summer person, you're all down for that, that, that category in here, by the way, right? Plant, heal, build, laugh, dance, gather, embrace, search, keep men. Yeah, that's great. If you're winter, you're all about, yeah, uproot, kill, tear down, weep, mourn, throw away, lost, tear, silence, right? Here's the problem. If you just stay in summer the whole time, you live in a constant state of fear that it's going to go away. And what's around the corner? Even in the midst of your summer, you're fearing winter. And if you're winter and you never come out in the summer, you slip into fatalism. Why? Because it hurts too much to hope. But the text is giving us a better option. Rather than fear or fatalism, you can choose freedom. It is for freedom that Christ set you free, free to be available to his spirit and his divine purposes in every season of life. No matter what you're walking through, you know that he will be with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And he has some things that he only reveals in the valley of the shadow of death. And he has some things that he only reveals while you're working in the field. And that's why we want to be people who can walk through every season of the soul with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When I was talking through this with the team, Boggs gave me a, a little illustration and so uh, that he heard that stuck with him for like 20 years. Uh, and so I'll, I'll personalize it a little bit. 
Um, Saturdays are dadder days in my house. This is when I wake up early and Audrey gets to sleep in because I'm awesome one day a week. Uh, other six days a week, she rules. Um, so normally when we get up, it's pancakes, right? It's pancakes for the kids. Uh, they love it. Christopher, my youngest, he just had them for breakfast this morning. He'd eat pancakes every meal of the day. He's uh, unbelievable. He loves them. Uh, my other two kind of like him. My oldest son is just like, nah, nah. He's gonna sleep till five because he's just, a gabagoo right now, and I love them. But we get up, and we make pancakes, and usually it's the girls who will help me out, um, and we get out a big glass bowl, and we put in all the ingredients, and they love pancakes, and they're, they're going to pound them as soon as they're ready and hot and coming off the griddle and with butter and syrup and all that good stuff. Here's what my kids have never said to me as we're putting the ingredients in the bowl. Oh, my gosh, I just want to shove my face with that flour. It looks so yummy. <laughs> More. Never cracked an egg and then go, ooh, wait, wait, dad, let me lick the shell. <laughs> it's not happened. I've never taken out a little bit of vanilla extract and Hattie Gale goes, can I get a pull off of that? <laughs> no, it's more for daddy. <laughs> Why? Because those ingredients in and themselves don't taste good. What do they have to be done to them? They've got to be beaten and blended together. Every season of your life goes into the bowl. And the Lord's promise is this. He's put eternity in your heart. And that there are times we can't fathom what he's doing from beginning to end. But we believe that he is a God who has good things in store for us. And there's only certain ingredients that are going to produce certain flavors in our life, whether we like the taste of them individually or not. Amen. So let's take 120 seconds. We like to preach the Bible clearly and then give you some soul space to respond and listen to the voice of God. We just want to make sure that you're not just a spectator in this moment, but that you're a participant. And that you remember that part of your birthright is to hear the voice of your father. That you've been given a spirit that does not lead you into fear so that you become slaves again, but rather you receive the spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. This is a moment for you to cry out, Abba, Father, and ask him what he brought you here tonight to hear. If that's enough for you to go on, go for it. Write down what you think the Lord might be speaking to you, what's the one thing you came here to hear and what you need to do in response to it. If this is a new exercise for you, I would just humbly submit, I need you to answer two questions and listen what the Holy Spirit might bring up. What season do you think your soul is in? And after you've named it, then what activity is appropriate in response to the season that you're in. What season is your soul in? And then what response or activity is appropriate to that season? Let's listen together.